Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. I've got a long one today. Consider it a combo episode between Sun and Monday. I've been doing a lot of research and organizing to put together some comprehensive threads on the labor shortage, the threat to democracy, inflation, and the effects of stimulus. Today, we will go over the labor shortage and a couple of other items. Let's dig in. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Peter Park, Shay Meehan, and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. So Senator Manchin, right after those two letters from hundreds of democracy experts warning that democracy could collapse if we don't reform the filibuster and pass the For the People Act, you know, that whole thing, he wrote an article explaining why he will do the complete opposite on both counts. In it, the sole reason he gives for opposing S-1 for his complicity in the collapse of American democracy is that he wants to avoid anything partisan. It's one of those statements that sounds good on the surface but has no substance underneath. He's not saying that he finds anything in the bill to be bad. He's literally saying that regardless of the merits of the bill, he will not oppose the GOP no matter what, because that would be partisan. This is like representing empirically false facts as equally valid to empirically true facts in the interest of being fair and balanced. It's insanity. It's a great goal to try and convince people and other parties of the merits of your bill or find ways to make it appealing to all parties while still being good. That is the ideal of bipartisanship and democracy. Giving up on doing good because the other party wants bad is not an acceptable approach. If the GOP refuses to support reforms that do nothing but strengthen our democracy, it is not okay to throw up your hands and surrender democracy to them. And yes, that is the situation here. The GOP is opposing S-1 based on factual inaccuracies, otherwise known as lies. It is not unconstitutional. It does not weaken election security. It strengthens it, in fact, by mandating paper trails, requiring voting machines to be built in the U.S., and so on. And it bans gerrymandering, makes contributions transparent so we know who our politicians are loyal to, establishes public campaign financing so that they don't have to get their money from special interests. Very important things for actual representation in government. Almost all of the objections the GOP have to it are based on empirically false claims, and the rest are spurious fear-mongering, or completely transparent pandering to special interest groups, like saying that knowing who's donating money is an infringement on free speech. We've gone over all this before. This is basically Manchin saying that he doesn't think he can get re-elected and save democracy both, and he's choosing to surrender America for his own interests, just as the GOP are doing. Incidentally, Represent Us just released a new infomercial for S1 featuring Michael Davis, which I think is pretty good, as it mentions the security aspects of the bill, which might help it appeal more to Republicans. Link below. Alright, let's take that comprehensive look at the labor shortage. What is it? What's causing it? What's the big deal? First, let's be clear about the definition. A labor shortage is when many employers are unable to fill positions at the compensation that the employers are offering. You can see how that's rather complicated and vague to begin with. Many employers would love to pay zero, after all. And how many does it take to become a shortage? It's unclear. 
Second, the labor shortage is mostly confined to the leisure hospitality sector. This also happens to be the lowest paying sector with an average annual earnings of $21,000. Hiring rates in this sector are actually high, but on net, other sectors lost employees. So to the extent there is any shortage, it's much smaller than people think just by glancing at a jobs report, which combines gains and losses. But some places are having trouble finding workers, so what might be the cause? Is it the bonus unemployment insurance from the federal government? While there are no doubt some cases where that is allowing people to hold out for better pay or work, as we've discussed before, it's unlikely to be a driving force. The argument for UI bonus being a cause is that it's providing more income than people can get from employment, leading them to choose to not be employed. How true is this? Well, not very, as it turns out. Comprehensive studies find that UI is almost never a better deal. Even with the boosts, UI is very temporary and purely money. In the few cases where UI does provide more direct income than a job, it just doesn't compare to the longer-term security and benefits of employment, according to the studies. Furthermore, if UI were luring people away, it would show up as job loss or anemic growth in low-wage sectors. But as we've already covered, that is not the case. Employment growth is higher in low-wage sectors than higher-paying sectors. Low-wage businesses are not being shunned by workers, they're just in the same recovery period as the longer economy is, with jobs opening up faster than people are filling them, due to sudden demand spike thanks mostly to vaccinations. It looks worse because the jobs numbers are being pulled down by losses, but from higher-paying sectors. So what could be the main cause, especially of these job losses? Well, that part is pretty simple. It's the usual source of trouble, second only to cats, kids. The vast majority of people leaving the workforce are women. Why? Because women are the primary practitioners of childcare in our society, and schools are still partially closed. Normally, schools are the primary childcare centers. With most still on reduced service from the pandemic, kids are home a lot more during typical work hours. Paid childcare is expensive, so millions of mothers have had to leave their jobs to be at home. This labor shortage issue is a problem that will be fixed by schools reopening or other child care solutions, but will only be made worse by cutting UI, which could throw many of these families into poverty, making it only harder to get a job and recover. Another lingering cause of the labor shortage is fear of COVID. This is lessening all the time, but many people are still unvaccinated, and many do not want constant contact with infected strangers for fear of endangering themselves or family. The refusal of many customers to follow mask or vaccine rules of a business also makes some jobs more stressful than they used to be, and many workers were traumatized by some employers' blatant disregard for worker safety during the pandemic. The virus even relates back to home care, as many Americans are still nursing family who contracted long-term COVID symptoms. More hours spent working outside the job market means less hours for formal employment. Can relate. There are other factors as well, such as impacts to public transportation, making previously accessible jobs inaccessible or unaffordable, but I think we've covered the main ones. So, in light of UI seeming to have little to do with the labor shortage, uninformed reductionist solutions such as cutting access to UI will likely have little effect on the shortage, 
while severely harming tens of millions of Americans suppressed by other issues. It's worth noting that nationally, unemployed workers still vastly outnumber job openings, meaning many Americans will be screwed by this move who could not possibly have gotten a job, no matter how much they want one, because there simply aren't enough. It will happily serve as a sort of national experiment where half the country cuts off the UI and half does not. So we'll have an experimental and a control group, which will almost certainly serve as further evidence of the benefits of stimulus. But normally we would not conduct such experiments because of the extreme harm that will be done. Loss of UI will also lower consumer spending, which will hurt businesses, hurt families, and reduce demand for workers. Of course, politics being what it is, the labor shortage may never have been the real target of UI cuts. It would hardly be the first time that politicians have intentionally done harm to the country under the opposition's administration just so they could pin the blame on political enemies. You can bet that whatever damage comes from GOP states impoverishing their citizens with this move, the blame will be shifted onto Democrats who were warning against it. You can find all of this along with numerous sources in the labor shortage megathread in the links below. Tomorrow, we will discuss inflation and stimulus. Finally, if Mayor Frey gets his way, Minneapolis could soon launch a basic income of $500 a month for 200 low-income families spanning two years as part of the budget he proposed to the city council. Funding would come from part of the city's American Rescue Plan money. According to his office, the city council is aiming to sign off on a plan on July 2nd. So whether you live in Minneapolis or not, let your council members know your position on basic income. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share Manchin's Betrayal of Democracy, the S1 infomercial, the labor shortage thread, and the Minneapolis basic income. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement's easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.